So good you're in church this morning. Um, we're super glad that you've decided to join us on the first official Sunday morning service. Feels like we haven't had church for ages, but it's so good to be here. Who's on holiday? Who's on holiday from out of town? Man, welcome. There's a few of you. Welcome. Good to have you here. We really um, hope you enjoy the service and get to speak to someone friendly. Um, the Bay of Plenty, what a beautiful place to be, amen? At least we've had a little bit of warm weather. That's been good. Hey, um, if you didn't know, my name is Victor and I'm on staff here and um, I'm privileged to speak this morning. If you've been here at any of the New Year's services, I think it'll be for about eight years. That's my slot. They give it to me. So I love it. And um, Eleanor did wait quite long this year and I thought, man, I'm going to miss it. But I got the invite, which is good. Um, and just from our senior pastors, um, just to honor them, they're on a, a sabbatical having a bit of a break. Um, doesn't sound like it. I mean, they went to church three times the other day, different churches, and they, they're all over the show. They go to another church this morning, and they, they do miss all of you. I was chatting with Alan, and he said he really just misses the people more than anything. And so um, keep praying for them, and we look forward to having them back at the end of the month. Um, they're still the senior pastors. It's still, they're still God's appointed, and um, we're just blessed that they can have a break, and um, can't believe they actually trust us to do it. So it's not going bad, eh? <laughs> all right. Um, I must say, I love all the aspects of church. I love the, the fellowship side. I love hanging out with people and connecting with people. Um, I love the, the praise and the celebration of just lifting up um, who our God and our Savior is. I enjoy the worship. Um, just love that standing on holy ground this morning, because that's where we are, really. If we really stop and boil it all down, Jesus is, yeah, God's in this place, and we should respond appropriately. Um, I love the serving part of it. Um, I love the, the word that I'm going to share now. I love all of it. And um, we're super blessed that God came up with this thing, the body of Christ and, and church as we know it. And um, I want to encourage you, never ever take it for granted. Don't ever say, well, I'm going to just go and do this today because this is, this is what God made. We are made to serve God in community. And um, if God blesses you with a jet ski, don't use it on a Sunday. It'll break down. No, <laughs> but, you know, I'm just, I just want to encourage you. And, and I'm speaking to the, the converted because you're all here this morning. But don't ever take church for granted. Whatever church you go to, wherever you go to, um, there's going to come a time we won't have church. Maybe on this earth even, but then in heaven, we're not going to have church. We're just going to be in God's presence all the time. And so this is something special. And I believe you. You should take advantage of all of it. Um, don't come late, leave early. Come early, fellowship, enjoy the fellowship, enjoy it. Don't miss the first two songs because they're too fast for you. Every single part of church is, is to be celebrated and enjoyed. Amen? So I love it all. So let's pray and then um, we're going to look at the Word of God and I'm privileged to be able to speak to you about it today. Um, I said to someone before the service, I'd love what I say to still have impact in your life in a hundred years' time. And the guy sort of looked at me and shouted about, well, no, no, what I mean is one day in heaven, I'd love you to bump into me and say, man, what you said moved me just a little bit closer to God that one day. And so that's my prayer today. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, we, we do just stand in awe of you this morning. And, and God, we, we do declare your ways are so much higher than our ways. Um, you are, are so great and so wonderful and we're, we're just blown away that you actually love us and you call us friend and you want to speak to us and 
God, we just bless you this morning. And I pray that as we look at the Word of God and we, we discuss things that could change our lives forever and, and bring us closer to you, that you would really let us have open hearts and open ears and minds to understand. Holy Spirit, we need you to show us the Father, to show us the way to go. In Jesus' name, amen. So I've been on a little journey for a, um, probably a couple of years now about spiritual disciplines. Um, we got a book, um, The Celebration of Discipline by, uh, I think, Foster. And we got given it to us in, in staff, um, about six, seven copies around some of the staff, and we were starting to read this book. And um, I don't know about you, but it's hard to celebrate discipline. <laughs> if you just ask any kid, they don't like discipline. Um, and I think as adults, we become even more anti-discipline, but yeah, just um, fascinating. Um, basically, things that you can do in your everyday life that will bring you closer to God. Things that you can do in your everyday life that are going to ensure you are still serving God in 5, 10, 20 years time. Um, if you show me anyone who has served God for more than a few months, I will show you someone who has put some real good spiritual disciplines into their life. Um, things like reading the Bible and praying and, and going to church. Um, I've got a one of the connect groups I'm involved with, we asked them a question, said, which of the spiritual disciplines should you, you think you need to work on the most? And we sort of went around the room and there were six or seven of us there. And the common one was probably either read the Bible more or pray more. And so I said, oh, well, that's good. So you've obviously got this last spiritual discipline that I want to talk about today down pat. And obviously we didn't have. And so we're still working on it. So two or three years ago at um, staff retreat, um, Pastor Don McDonnell, was there anyone heard him speak? Anyone left feeling bad that they're not even a Christian? <laughs> because, man, he's just on fire, crackerjack, just go, go. And I remember at that um, staff retreat, he just told us story after story of incredible encounters um, of things God had done in his life. Like walking past a, a pub and a leader of a gang was there with his patch on and he just stops and he says to the friend who was, he was from out of town, in this guy's town, he said, I'm just going to go and speak to that guy. And the guy goes, no, 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 no. Anyway, he walks up to the guy and he taps him on the shoulder and this big man turns around, sort of look of disgust, and he says to him, I just want to tell you, your mom loves you and God loves you. And this guy grabbed him by the collar and lifted him up against the pillar. And the guy's, Don's friend thought, that's it, he's done. And this guy started shouting at him, who told you, who told you, who told you? And eventually when he put him down, the story was that morning, he was with his mom and she, as he was leaving, said, God loves you. And he says, Mom, you've been telling me that my whole life, but until someone else tells me, I will not believe it. And he goes down the road to the pub, and Don walks in and says, your mom loves you, and so does God. And I mean, the story that he told us, just one after the next, hundreds of these stories, and all of it came down to one thing, and I was so challenged, and he said, the supernatural in his life is always preceded by a period of fasting. And right now you're all thinking, thank the Lord Christmas lunch is over. <laughs> and, and we're going to talk about fasting. And so I, I was super challenged. Um, I'd been, I've been a Christian for over 40 years. And I'd never ever fasted in over 40 years. And um, it is amazing in a culture where most cities in most parts of the world have shrines of the golden arches. Um, and every street has got a pizza joint on, 
And if you're in Tauranga, a sushi shop and an Indian shop, and there's just a combination of fast food. You can, I think any hour of the day, you can go and get food. And um, it's strange in times like this that you're actually going to talk about fasting. Um, a survey, and again, done in American churches. I don't know what all the surveys are in America. They must be gullible for surveys. But in America, 75% of people in the Western church admitted to never, ever attempting a fast. 25% have tried it once or twice, and less than 2% said they fasted regularly. In the Eastern churches and in the persecuted countries and the third world countries, that figure is reversed, literally. The world today we live in is way more into mindfulness and the way you think and you'll be as you think you are and sort of forget about the body. But the Bible says that the body is the temple of God and it's definitely part of your salvation. You can't be saved without your body following. And so we need to make sure we look at it that way. So after all of this incredible inspiration by Pastor Don, I knew increase was only a couple of months away and I know every year they, they call us as a church, they call us to fast for seven days up to increase. I thought I got it. Seven day fast, here I come. I want to see supernatural things in my life and I want to, I want to have Don's stories. And so um, I started, it was a Monday and what a beautiful day. It, it was just amazing. I, when it was breakfast time, I shot up to the prayer room and spent 10 minutes there. I remember, man, that's great. I sent a text to someone, encouraged them and lunchtime was the same. And even that evening at dinner time, I just went outside and I prayed for a while and thought, man, I was so aware of God. Have you ever had a day where you sometimes get to late afternoon and you think, man, I haven't even thought about God once. Anyone? Not, not in this place, but now and then that happens to me. But this was not the case because every time my belly sort of I thought about God and I thought, man, this is great. I've got to do this more often. So day one was done. I went to bed. It wasn't even a problem. Honestly, it was, I thought, why have I never done this before? It was a breeze. Day two, I woke up and yeah, I was hungry, but I didn't, I wasn't in trouble. And so I thought, this is good. This is really good. And again, um, I was so aware of God like I'd never been before. And I could, I could just, I'd sort of sense right away, oh, I'm, I think this is why I'm doing it. I'm doing this to turn my mind to God and to think of God. There has to be a spiritual purpose for why you're fasting. And, um, and I was praying for unsaved people and I was praying for increase and it was great. I got through the day, it was definitely harder. Um, come evening time, it was definitely a little bit harder, but I managed to do it, just lots of water. And um, if you know me, I'm not a fan of water, but I'm getting better. And um, then day three, I woke up. It was not pleasant. <laughs> and um, I don't even think I slept well. Anyway, I came in out of the cafe and we were working and we'd done our first run of breakfast and next thing I was in the corner right by the front door there and I, man, if I don't get to a chair quick, I'm in trouble. And I sat down and the room was spinning and I was like weak. I couldn't even lift my phone. I thought, I'm in big trouble. Get me a protein shake urgently. And so got a protein shake and took it on board and within about 10 or 15 minutes, I was good. And so I packed up that spiritual discipline for someone else and just carry on like normal. Um, fasting is not for me. <laughs> I mean, my physique, <laughs> it doesn't take a lot of work. I'm blessed, but I could not afford to fast. And so that was it. And so a year later comes increase and they call a fast again. So I sort of felt a modicum of, of guilt and thought, well, I better give it a go again. And I got through day one really good again. 
And by day two, I wasn't feeling good. I thought, no, not for me. This fasting is definitely for other people. Um, Pastor Don can have those stories. I'll make my own stories. And I just started eating. Fasting was done. I was over. Anyone else had a similar story? Someone is honest? Okay. So that was it. Um, I just moved on. And then three or four months ago, I was listening to a podcast. And it was a great podcast. I forget what it was on. It was on spiritual disciplines. Uh, might have been reading the Bible or something. And he moved on to the next one and it just auto-played. You know that auto-play feature? You should really take that off if you don't want to get in trouble. And so the next one popped up and it was fasting. I went, oh, here we go. And it was just before increase, actually. And, um, and so I started listening to it. And for the first time, he started talking more about the history of fasting and, and where fasting came from and what the, the early church, how the early church fasted. And I thought... You know, I just listened to a guy speaking and saying something was good and got into it. A little bit like my golf story. Anyone heard, have I told you about golf? So I, I talked to Kelly quite often and he'd say how good golf is and he's enjoying it. And I thought, well, that sounds good. I'm just going to give it a go. And it was very much like my fasting story. It was really good the first time, but never been good again. So anyway, um, and, and so I, it was funny. I knew right away. If, if I get asked to speak on the first service of the year, this is what I'm going to speak about. And so started doing some homework and then I started searching my notes. I actually did a sermon in 2021 on fasting. I couldn't believe it. I thought I've never heard a sermon about fasting. Well, I've never heard one, but I actually gave one. And, and I spoke about every story in the Bible about fasting. And I remember Chris Hodges, we were up at Life Church in Auckland and he spoke about fasting, how it, it um, preceded any supernatural activity in his life. And I was obviously motivated again, did the sermon and made absolutely no change. Now, don't put your hand up. Anyone ever heard something from God and never done anything about it? Just don't put your hand up right now. But, and so here I go, and I'm doing all this homework. And um, I'm just going to start off and tell you I'm not doing a seven-day fast. I'm not an ace in the subject. But it's a spiritual discipline that I believe can have profound effect in our lives and can change us. Anyone want to be more like Jesus? Anyone want to do the things of Jesus? So, Christmas lunch is over. Now we can have a look and, and go from there. Let me just start off and say, fasting is nowhere in the Bible a command. Um, nowhere in the Bible does it say you have to fast. It's not like one of the Ten Commandments. It's, it's none of those things. It's, um, I'm also aware that there are, there are many people who, for medical reasons, should not attempt to fast. Um, seek out proper help or advice um, and just make sure you do this properly. And um, what I would love to do today is let you know and show you that fasting is way more achievable than I ever thought was possible, and you can give it a go. And um, you can install a rhythm of fasting into your life. Um, I believe if you ever struggled with an addiction or something that you cannot get over, fasting may just be the thing to help you break that. Fasting has to always center on God. If it does anything else, it's definitely for the wrong reason. Um, John Piper says, our appetite dictates the direction of our lives. You know, it is quite amazing that, you know, most of us, every one of us fast every day. It's called break fast. So in the morning, that's, what, that's where the word comes from. You've fasted as you've slept and you break the fast and then you eat. So you can almost pat yourself on the back. You're already doing a bit of a fast. So, but isn't it amazing that the original sin in the Bible 
has to do with food. Um, I also find it interesting that food is like a God-given addiction. Every single person on the planet suffers from the same thing. They all need food. And so it is amazing that we are called on to fast. Um, John Piper goes on to say, if we don't feel a strong desire for God, it is not because we have drunk deeply and we are satisfied. It's more because we've nibbled so long on the table of the world. I'll read that again. If we don't feel a strong desire for God, it's not because we have drunk deeply and feel satisfied. It's because we've nibbled so long on the table of the world. So if we look in the Bible at fasting, one of the greatest sermons ever, ever shared in the whole world would have to be Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And it's interesting, in that sermon over two chapters, uh, Matthew 5 and Matthew 6, you can go read it, he mentions three spiritual disciplines. That's all. And one of them is giving, looking after the poor. The other one is prayer. And then the last one is fasting. And so I'll read it to you quickly. Matthew 6, verse 16 out of the NIV. It says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they fast. And that's what I look like on day three. Um, but truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. So Jesus, it's interesting, he said, yeah, when you fast. He didn't say if you fast. And so that was the greatest sermon ever given. Then in Matthew 9, um, John's disciples come to Jesus and go, hey, how come your disciples don't fast? So obviously John's disciples were fasting. John had obviously installed a, a ritual of fasting in his own disciples and they come to Jesus and go, how come your disciples are not fasting? And so Jesus says in Matthew 9, 15, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he's with them? The time will come when the bridegroom is gone. Then they will fast. Well, Jesus is not, not here with us now anymore in, in body. So now's the time we're supposed to be fasting according to that scripture. And the last one I'll read quickly, Luke 18, verse 12. One of the Pharisees has come to Jesus and he's, he's talking about salvation. And he says to him in verse 12, I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all that I get. And you can go read the rest of that story. Um, Esther in the Bible has um, been made the queen and she hears of a story that the Jews are going to be exterminated. And she calls a three-day fast. It's interesting. This is the only fast in the Bible where it's mentioned no water even for three days. Three-day fast, no food, no water. And we all know the story how God turned around the whole situation where all of a sudden the Jews became prominent. Mordecai became one of the leaders in the country. Um, some of the history in the early church, um, I never, have never heard this before, but the Dedicae, the DDK is a document that the early apostles wrote. It's called, um, very well known in very traditional churches, um, it is the teaching of the early apostles. So we're talking about the guys who, who started the church, Peter, John, and all those guys. Um, and this was a suggestion of how the Christians should live, and they go through all of these things. And in, in chapter 8, there's a whole chapter dedicated to fasting. And it says here that um, the believers should fast twice a week. Heard that before one of the Pharisees just said, I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of what I earn. The only thing the apostles did, they changed the day. So the custom of the early Jews was to fast two days a week. And the custom was not to take a meal from sunrise, but all the way till sunset and then eat. Have you heard that before? Probably thinking of Ramadan. But there was a practice from the early Jewish, the early Christian church. They adopted the same custom. 
And they practiced it for centuries. And even into Western countries, it was adopted. And they fasted two days a week. What they did do in the DDK, they moved it to two different days because they didn't want to be a hypocrite like the hypocrites they called the hypocrites who fasted. They disfigured their faces and looked bad. So they said, let's do it on a different day. We'll do it on a Wednesday and we'll do it on a Friday because that's the day Jesus was handed over to be crucified. And so the early church for years, and we're talking up to um, probably the early, early 1400s, the early church was known, Christians were known as people who fasted two days a week from sunrise to sunset. Then they started Lent. The, the, the origin of Lent was out of um, fasting for 40 days, sunrise to sunset. And that's where Islam sort of got the idea of Ramadan. The amazing thing is that Islam is still practicing that today very, very avidly. Um, even sportsmen, international sportsmen will not eat from sunrise to sunset because that's part of their fast. But the Western church, from the late um, ninth century already started to relax the rules about fasting. And this mainly came out of the Latin church. To the point that today in the Western church, fasting is almost a forgotten practice. Um, the Catholics were one of the first to go, look, you don't need to fast the whole day, but as long as you fast one hour before you take the Eucharist. And so that's why at most Catholic services, they'll have communion right at the end of the service because that'll allow you to fast for your hour. And, um, and so I don't say that to, to belittle them. At least they still fast in for an hour. In most Western church, we just dismiss it and go, you know, we don't even need to do it. So the most common fast in the early church among the early believers was sunrise to sunset. Now, it is fascinating to me that in the world, I know a lot of people who are not Christians and they do. Have you ever heard of intermittent fasting? I know heaps of people who do it. It's fashionable. And so I just thought, man, isn't that amazing how the devil takes everything God makes and he wants to pervert it and turn it. So I'm not even going to go into, in my homework, I did a lot of research and fasting is actually a really good thing for your body. Um, some of the, the medieval people, man, they'd have a feast. Dad brought home a beast that he got and they'd feast on it for a day or two because there were no refrigerators and then they might not eat for another week. <laughs> and so it was almost like a fast. Um, the benefits of intermittent fasting are unbelievable. Um, a lot of the early inventors and people like Bach and Mozart would often fast up to six, seven days before they composed some of the greatest music ever. They said it made the mind alert. Have you ever found when you've had a good meal, Christmas lunch, anyone remember that? About half an hour afterwards, what did you want to do? You just wanted to sleep, okay? We call it a food coma. Your body just shuts down. Every resource in your body is involved with trying to, I nearly said decay the food, but to, to use the food. And so to be sharp and alert, these guys would fast and they would make sure they were sharp and alert and paying attention and, and onto it. Isn't that amazing that they identified some of the benefits? Um, so even till the time of John Wesley, who was a founder of the Methodist Church, um, John Wesley is quoted as saying, I will not employ a pastor or appoint a pastor of a church if he doesn't fast two days a week. Imagine that interview. Hey, my name's John Wesley. You are, yep, you're looking to come pastor the, the Methodist church here in Tauranga. Um, do you fast two days a week? No, okay, next. <laughs> Move you on. Now, I'm not saying he's right, but um, I'm just saying that's the weight that he put on fasting. Um, how much weight have you put on fasting in your life? So let me just say the true meaning of fasting, if you Google what does fasting mean, 
in the dictionary, it says fasting is the abstinence of food or drink or both. And then it says, obviously, for health, ritualistic, religious, or ethical purposes. Um, so I've heard a lot of people, we've got a seven-day fast coming. Yep, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not have coffee or I'm not going to have sugar. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but that's not a fast. That's abstaining. You're just abstaining from something. And there, there's benefit in that. And I don't want to ever discourage you. People say, I'm not going to look at Facebook for seven days. There's major benefit in that. And even if you could extend that. But, you know, um, that's not fasting. Um, if you abstain from TV, it's abstinence, and that's a really good thing. It can benefit you, no doubt. But I don't want you to confuse that with fasting. Don't tell people you're fasting. Okay, it might feel like you are, and your throat's been cut, but it's just Facebook. It'll still be there um, in a little while. So, what does fasting actually do for you? What, 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 why should we fast? Um, one of the great stories in the Bible for me is the story of Jonah. Now, not many people associate fasting with the story of Jonah. But I believe while he was in the fish, he definitely fasted. But that's not what I want to talk about. So Jonah goes to the city of Nineveh. He tells them eventually, after he's been in the fish, he tells them, look, God's going to destroy you. Because of the wickedness found here, God is going to destroy you. The Bible says in Jonah chapter 3 that the people were all called together of Jonah and they fasted and prayed before God because they realized of their sin, they were aware of it, and they, they sought God's mercy. And the Bible says in Jonah 3 that God relented from the judgment he was going to bring on them because of the fast. And Jonah got very upset about that. And um, you can go read the rest of that story. Now, there's another very similar story that in World War II. Anyone ever seen the movie Dunkirk? Now, people in the area of Dunkirk and people of the day, they didn't call the time or the movie Dunkirk. They would have called it the miracle of Dunkirk. So what happened in 1940, the amount of um, soldiers and people that were down on the beach of Dunkirk were going to be slaughtered as the Germans approached. And Hitler was bringing all the might of the German empire down on them, and they were basically sitting ducks. The, from land or air or sea, they were going to be destroyed. On the 23rd of May, King George V1, whatever that is, one of those, George V, 6th, 7th, I don't know, he requested that the following Sunday should be a national day of prayer and fasting. And there are photos. The photo quality wasn't good enough, else I'd put it up. They've never seen before in the UK lines of people queuing to get into church, to pray and fast for the day. Um, there are photos, you can go Google it. Um, and late on that Saturday evening, on the day of prayer, against all advice of his army and his advisors, Hitler decided to change the attack and change direction. It didn't make sense. I mean, he, there was no reason these people could not fight back. He changed the direction. And then the next day, um, so this confused everyone. They didn't know what was going on. And then the next day, as the Air Force was about to start coming in on them on this beach, it became so cloudy and misty that the people of Dunkirk reckoned they've never seen it before. It was like eerie. There was this mist just hanging over. And so the airplanes couldn't come in. They could hear them, but they couldn't find the beach of Dunkirk. And then the third miracle was when the 
water became calm as a lake, like never seen before. And civilian boats were ordered to go across the channel, all different sizes and shapes and fisher boats and just recreational boats to go and collect the troops. And over 340, 300, almost 340,000 troops were saved that day by people of the public in little dinghies, little boats that went over the calmest ocean. Anyone who's ever been to Dunkirk will tell you there's no way you'll take a dinghy over there. So these were three miracles, all because of prayer and fasting of a nation. So I'm not going to tell you today that fasting is a way to twist God's arm, but I do believe fasting is a way to change and move God into the direction you want to go. Um, we saw it with Queen Esther. Um, fasting moves God. And so about two, three months ago when, when I heard this podcast and thought this is what I'm going to speak about, I thought I've got to practice what I preach. I better start fasting. And so for starters for me, it was way more achievable to go from dinner one night till dinner the next night because I knew I'd done that twice already pretty successfully. And so we decided Wednesday. So we're going to fast on Wednesday. So we'd have dinner on a Tuesday night and would fast all day Wednesday. And I can honestly tell you the exact same experience again. The awareness of God, the thoughtfulness of who God is, things towards the kingdom, praying for people, um, moved me enough to know that I want to keep doing it. Now, I'm not super religious. Um, and I often would make a mistake. I'd be in the cafe and the chef would cut off a corner of a slice. And I'd go, oh, oh, gee, I just ate a bit of that. Or one day he had some kiwi fruit. He said, man, this is the best. And I'd taste it. Oh. And so I don't, I'm not going to get all upset about that. No, I've ruined my fast. My fast is an idea of saying to my body, you're going to just keep quiet for a while. And we're going to think about God. And so it's one more thing that I can do that will bring me closer to God. Now, I haven't got any awesome supernatural stories yet. But I can tell you that I don't get to two o'clock and go, oh, I haven't even thought about God today because I'm thinking about him the whole time. Every time your stomach goes, you go, oh, yeah, I'm going to go and pray or take a few minutes to pray. I am acutely aware of how we are controlled by food. Everything is got to have breakfast. The world sells us three meals a day. That's so you know you're, you're prosperous and you, well, is it? And why are we doing it? And so I want to say today that fasting is way more achievable than you ever thought it was. Um, one of the early Eastern church leaders had a proverb, the devil is at the bottom of the valley of comfort and pleasure. God is at the ascent of hunger, self-denial and struggle. Um, I'm very rarely in the midst of incredible pleasure and if you're out on a motorbike or doing whatever, it's a lot harder to think about God. Then when you're hungry and you think, man, why am I not eating? Oh, yes, it's because I'm trying to remember God, trying to do things towards God. There is an appetite for God in every one of us, and it can be awakened. If the band want to come up, please. So I invite you today to turn from the dulling effects of food and the dangers of gluttony and to say with some kind of simple fast, this much God is how much I want you. I've got a little acrostic, um, the word fast, F-A-S-T. The F would be for focus. When you fast, it definitely lets you focus on God. 
and the things of God and the things of the kingdom. Um, A is for abstain from some food. S would be for search out your own heart. I've never been in a position more where I think about my own life and what are the things, God, that you need to change in my life is when I'm fasting. And the last one, which doesn't really make sense, the T of fast, is taste. While you're not tasting food, the Bible talks about taste and see how good God is. Taste and see how good our God is. So I would love you today to take a minute and think about, could you fast today from sunrise to sunset? Now, I'm not saying I'm not going to try a seven-day fast. Maybe I'll work up to that and I'll just go as, as I feel God's leading. I'm not going to be convicted about it. But I love the fact that I've installed some kind of rhythm where I'm trying to fast once a week and I'd love to get it twice a week. And I want to just make room in my life for God. You know, the AA, I never knew this, but one of their sayings, Alcoholics Anonymous, one of their sayings is just keep coming back, it works. And I want to challenge you in any of your spiritual disciplines, be it reading the Bible, be it praying, or if you're going to try fasting, just keep coming back, it works. Just keep doing it, it works. You know, some days you read the Bible and you come away thinking, man, why have I not done that before? It was so amazing. I highlighted everything and it's going to change me. Other days you read it and maybe you're in Leviticus and you're just not sure. Keep doing it, it works. And I would encourage you the same with fasting. So today, I've asked the band if they would, um, the worship team, they just lead us in a, in a song of worship. And I'd love you to think for yourself and just say to God, God, Either this has spoken to me or it hasn't and I want to work more in my prayer. I want to work more in my Bible reading. Or maybe you want to say, God, I, I want to try and fast and just think about you and maybe give up one of the things that probably controls my life more than anything. I want to give up some food and just think of you. Maybe you need to say, well, I'm just going to do one meal a day. I'm just going to maybe skip lunch or skip breakfast and, and give it a go. Imagine if 75% of the church fasted regularly how much difference we'd see in our prayers and the testimonies we'd have because of the things God is doing. And can I say one last thing? Probably something that helped me the most um, was doing it with my wife. But the point is to tell someone else. Um, the Bible says, don't go around telling everyone that you're fasting because then you've lost your reward. But there's something in accountability when you tell someone. Um, my wife, I've often texted her, oops, I just had a grape or... I just had a piece of slice and, and vice versa and, and then some days we'd go on Tuesday night are we going to fast tomorrow and we sort of remind each other and so you maybe want to tell your wife or you maybe want to, want to tell someone else um, so can we all stand please and I'm going to just pray and then we're going to let the worship team lead us in a worship song and I'd love you to just consider it and say well why don't you give it a go um, and we'll see how we go Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for everything that the word of God holds. And God, we never ever want to choose which parts of the Bible we want to respond to and which we don't. And at the same time, it's not my desire to manipulate anyone today. But I do pray that if you have spoken to anyone today about maybe fasting and giving up a meal or not eating for a day till sunset, that we would think about you and put you in your rightful place on the throne of our lives. God, we do not want to fast to manipulate you or to twist your arm, but we want to fast to make room for you in our lives. 
more room than you have now. God, we've never got enough of you. Come and have your way in our life.